Maddie and I are huge avocado fans, so we are super excited to announce that this episode of Well and Good is brought to you by the Avo Tree. So these guys deliver the tastiest and freshest possible avocados direct from the orchard right to your doorstep. They also provide the best tips and tricks for how to care for your fruit so you can get the best out of your avos. Plus, every avocado is literally hand-picked to order, which means they're helping to reduce unnecessary supermarket waste caused by all those disappointing bruised avos we don't end up using. So we get one of their boxes delivered every fortnight, and to be honest, I don't think we'll ever go back to buying supermarket avocados. Just good quality, fresh avos delivered straight to your door. Kia ora team. Hey guys. So today on the podcast we have a very exciting duo. We've got Daniel and Justine Flynn. And these guys are on a super ambitious and also super cool mission to end extreme poverty around the world. So they are the founders of consumer goods company Thank You, which you've probably seen in your local supermarkets. Uh, they donate 100% of their profits towards poverty causes. Yeah, that's um, truly amazing what they've actually achieved. So far, I think they've raised over $17 million, which is insane. Like that's that's profit that would normally be going to shareholders and things of, of companies, and they've just put all of that profit back into ending extreme poverty. It's amazing. Their business model is incredible. Yeah, so they're such an awesome couple and they have a really um, amazing story to tell about how they've had such great commercial success and they've used that to do good. And we do a real deep dive into how they think outside the box because Thank You has done some really cool things. Yeah, amazing um, marketing with like really, zero budget. Really, really cool uh, creative marketing, which we'll um, touch on today. And they also share some very exciting news with us uh, for the first time. Ooh, exciting. Ooh, I wonder what it is. What You'll have to listen to find out what it is. But... On a more serious note, Justine also touches on um, the burnout that she experienced, which is quite a common thing these days, people working so hard and not managing that work-life balance. Yeah, so, so. she she um, says how she has now found a work-life balance and she's shared how how that has come about for her. So you guys are going to love this chat, um, hopefully just as much as we did. So here is Daniel and Justine. Welcome, Daniel and Justine. We're so excited to have you guys. Thank you for having us. It's so fun to be here. It is so good to be doing something in lockdown that is just, you know, there's hope. I think in New Zealand is like hope for Australia. Yeah, because you guys are based in Melbourne and I mean, we can all agree that Melbourne is going through quite the time at the moment. So yeah, what's how, it like for you guys right now? How are you feeling? Well, we've, we've just hit, it's been, I think, 21 weeks this week since we've had the original, like the uh, the first lockdown. Um, we got let out for like maybe two weeks of that 21 weeks where we got to hang out with maybe 10 of our friends at a time. And then it was like, just kidding, guys, all back inside. And so, um, yeah, so we've just found out they're probably going to shut childcare, which is going to be a tricky one with us working full time. Oh man! Um, but it's cool. We'll, we'll we're trying to keep our chin up and and keep going through it. So yeah. Oh man, that's that's really tough. Well, hang in there, guys. That well, is not easy. We will. I feel like New Zealand did it well. I mean, I know I probably didn't even need to say that, but you guys like you got your act together very quick. Um, while everyone was sort of wondering, is COVID even real? You guys are like, no, nah, we're stopping the country, and now you, you guys are free. 
Yeah, well, almost. I feel like we're teetering on the edge because we've had a few people escaping isolation and it's been quite the... Ooh, escapees. Yeah, yeah. We've we've had some escapees in there and now they have apparently tested positive. So I don't know, but I'm not going to okay. count my chickens, basically, is what I'm saying. I don't know either, but I feel very lucky that we live here in New Zealand and, and it is pretty... Um, we don't even really have an idea of how bad it is around the world, you know, because we're mm. so isolated here and... And yeah, it's, it is like life is normal for us right now. Well, pretty much. we won't rub it in. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a rubbing it into us. Because <laughs> you guys, you guys spent quite a bit of time here when you launched Thank You over in New Zealand, right? Yeah, we love New Zealand so much. We were staying in Whangaparoa. Mm. Oh, that's right. And any yeah. plans to, to come back post-COVID? Justine, <laughs> Justine brings it up every day. Like, can we please just move? Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a special time. We, when we launched in New Zealand, it was like, let's do this properly. Like, you know, if you're going to launch a new country, get to know culture, move there, go all in. And I think we thought we were going to New Zealand for thank you. Um, I think we ended up. It was sort of end up being for us. It was such a reset for us, and uh, it just slowed us down from what what turned out to be like ten big years at Thank You, kind of in Australia. So yeah, New Zealand has all the happy feels and memories, you know, for us. And maybe we'll be back. I one find day. that just so refreshing because oftentimes companies just tack on New Zealand to Australia and and just like assume that it's the same market. And so, so many brands that are based in Australia just kind of decide to launch in New Zealand from Australia and just launch with the same thing or the same products or the same stuff. But we are actually a really different market and we're a really different consumer. So I really, really rate that approach that, that you actually came and wanted to get to know the culture and understand the market a bit more, that we're actually different to Australia. We're a different culture. Totally. But you know, we even learned that at uni that just treat it like another state of Australia. Um, <laughs> Is that so, right? Yeah. Sorry. And and it was like, as you know, that few years later, as we're just, you know, getting to know different things, we were like, nah, like we'd been over to New Zealand for a six-week stint and we were like, so different. The culture is so different and there's so much more to learn and we knew we needed to be on the ground. We knew we, knew we needed to be amongst it. Um, yeah. Plus also for personal reasons when we did land, I think, because I grew up in North Queensland, so coming to um Melbourne, I didn't realise there was a little piece of me missing, the beach, the culture, the community, all of that really came alive when we we landed in Auckland. So it's beautiful. I was just going to say we've been talking about thank you, but and a lot of listeners probably do recognise the brand. They've probably seen it on shelves, the the products that you have in our supermarkets here. But can you give us a bit of a background about thank you, how you started and why you started? Yeah. Well, look, for those who don't know, what we do, I'll kind of start with the what. Um, you know, we, we sell consumer products. So some of our leading products are hand wash and hand sanitizer, um, which is like liquid cold at the moment. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, um, we can talk about that later. Um, but uh, we commit 100% of our profit to helping end extreme poverty. And it's for us, it's this whole idea that we live in one world that has two extremes. So extreme poverty, um, you know, people dying because they don't have access to you know, water, food, like just basic human rights. And then you've got extreme consumerism. Like we spend a lot of money, uh, $63 trillion annually, to be exact, uh, on consumer 
product. And oh my goodness, that it, is such an insane number. I can't even fathom it. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. It's it's that big. So you've got you've got and like that's the collective choices we're making. And I think for Justine and I, when we were you know much younger, I mean you know it was like 12 years ago now, we just we saw this thing, the two extremes, and we couldn't un unsee it. Um, Jazz, I feel like your story starts before mine, so you should go first. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think you're talking about the why we got into it. Like for for me, I, I was just, I was 14, and one of my teachers would always talk about trips in, to developing countries and things she's experienced, and I really wanted to go. My parents said um, I could go if I raised every cent myself. So um, mum did help me, but we did clothes swapping parties, um, pie drives. Um, oh, Lemmington, cool. um, we made lemmingtons on the kitchen bench and then like sold them all to everyone. So raised every cent. And when when I went over on my own, it was just after September 11. So my parents were so brave sending me off um, all on my own over to Indonesia. And then it was actually coming back that I got the culture shock that I realised I've got all this stuff. And I've just been, you know, immersed for, for a few weeks with communities that don't have all of this stuff that I have, and yet they're able to find um, happiness and joy. And I realized, like, for me, I wanted to find a way that I could use, I guess, the privilege that I had, the opportunities that I had um, to be able to help those who don't um, have access to those same same things. So for me, I was always focused on what whatever it was when I grew up. That's sort of what I wanted to do. And then obviously I met Daniel when he was this 19-year-old dreamer with um not just a dreamer but doer and um yeah we kind of went from there yeah yeah, yeah. i thought that was gonna get to get really soppy then into you know <laughs> just this, this deep love um but we can how you met each other the first meeting and how yeah, you fell first, in love the first kiss was amazing mm. but that's another I bet. topic I'm yeah that's a whole other podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> But we did actually start dating um, maybe the month before the company was registered. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So it yeah. was um, all, all in. Yeah. Wow. So how do you, because now obviously you have a little son, Jedediah, so how do you kind of balance working such a large-scale business but also being a family as well? Like do you ever switch off or – is it, do you have, have to put boundaries in there yourself? <laughs> okay, so in the early days, I remember it was a Friday night. We were in our bedroom and we were discussing some strategy of thank you and then it got really heated and we started, you know, not it was like on the verge of an argument, you know, and then we kind of stepped back and realised, hang on, it's Friday night, we're in bed, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so um, we realised then we needed to set some boundaries. So, like, whenever the garage door closed, we were saying goodbye to work and that was sort of our space for us. Um, and then, you know, as we've, you know, gone over the years, we've just said, like, on we have one day a week, we don't say the T word unless we're being polite and saying goodbye. <laughs> Um, and, yeah, and we just sort of try and respect each other's downtime in that we need to have that time to switch off and just I mean, not just think about it for a, for a day or something. Yeah, and, and, oh, and that, yeah. that became like a real discipline. Like it's that you can stop saying the word thank you or talking about work, and so there's like one day a week, sometimes Sundays or Saturdays, but it is like a 24-hour period, no emails, no calls. Like if you guys are like, we can only do the podcast on that day. We'd be like, cool. We'll move that entire day off. 
Like we've found you can't split it. If you try it two half days off, it, you know, it doesn't work as well for your mind. Um, so that, that's been good. But I think the discipline is, is switching your actual thinking off. Um, that's so hard to do. If you're passionate about something, you know, but if you can get to that point of switching off, you reset and you actually end up better, better when you're working, better when you're kind of doing what you're passionate about. Mm. Yeah, and and then do you find that that you have um, some really cool ideas, or you can be like a little bit more creative on those off days because you're not thinking about the day to day things, like you're not thinking about the emails you have to get back to, or you're just not thinking about it at all. We try to not think about it. Sometimes ideas come holidays in that way, but. Dan, yeah. Dan does a blue sky day on top of that, don't you? Yeah, I kind of have, have like two off days, as in one is like off completely, the other is out of the business. So it's called blue sky and the whole concept is how do you focus on, you know, blue sky thinking, like being, whether it's 30,000 feet above what we do day to day. So the goal is I have one day clear um, where I get out to the bush or a beach uh, if you can hear noise in the background, that's Jed running through the house. Um, but you know, he'll be fine. Uh, so, um, but but yeah. So so and that that for me has been such a creative space. You know, sometimes I like go out there just with a journal, pen and paper, write like a you know, dear diary. I quit this company. You know, by the end, of, like like it's it's not always glamorous. Sometimes I'm just like I'm I can't do this anymore but it's amazing what perspective gives you and what space does and and actually some of for me anyway my best ideas have come there not in the kind of grind of emails and meetings and all the the kind of the busy hurry illusion of progress that can come from that yeah yeah hey just want to go back to the thank you uh journey and a bit and explaining a bit more about what exactly you guys do because it's it's incredible and you guys have been going for what, is it like 10 years now yeah 12 or more 12 years and so far you've raised how many millions of dollars uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah we do know 6.9 6. million um <gasps> to date but we we are sort of pausing and smiling because we are yet to announce the new numbers that come out but um you know we've obviously sold a lot of sanitizer and a lot of hand wash so we're actually, and we can't share it yet, but kind of mid-September at some point we'll announce it, but it is going to be our biggest year yet for giving. Mm. So it's just, it's really cool to see consumers coming together and, you know, this number growing rapidly. That's so cool. And how do you, how do you choose where to give the money? Because I would imagine that's so difficult. There are so many worthy causes out there. There are. Um, well, I mean, we'll... We might tag team on this, but we like our focus is the end of extreme poverty. Now that sounds quite broad, but it is specific to people living on less than a dollar ninety a day, um, which is you know often found in parts of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia. There are currently seven hundred and thirty-six million people living in extreme poverty, and so we're looking for partners. And and so you know our model is we back partners. We don't do it ourselves. I mean, they are the heroes. Justine and I have met them. These are people that spend their life living in communities, you know, so far away from air conditioning and some of the little luxuries we have. And they go all in for local community change. So we fund them, um, you know, and, you know, again, they are the heroes on the front line. But, you know, we've worked with them in, in 20, uh, 22 different countries. 
Uh, we've done a little bit of work in Australia. Uh, we've got a partner uh, in uh, Central Australia working with Indigenous communities, um, but a lot of the work happens through the Pacific, Southeast Asia, uh, and Sub-Saharan Africa. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know what you mean about um, the, you know, you've got your people on the, the front line, you know, so to speak. Maddie and I have done a little bit of um, aid work overseas, and I remember we met some guys when we were doing... Um, uh, helping to provide fresh water in Cambodia and met the guys that were living there. It was like these Americans who were living there, like really just... My whole family was there. And, and like, it was tough conditions and, like, mm. a, a totally different culture. Uh, yeah, like, as you're saying, there's no modern amenities or anything. And we just thought it was incredible, eh? Some, yeah. Yeah, it was very inspiring. Yeah, because I think, I think I imagine it probably... You know, it wouldn't work if you just raised a whole bunch of money and then just threw a whole bunch of money at it, at some sort of infrastructure that wasn't set up and and it, it just wouldn't work, right? Yeah. We're actually seeing and we'll be announcing this in the in the coming months as well. Um we are looking at a new giving model as well. But a lot of it a lot of the issues we have, and Daniel, you'll know the stats here, um, the donor does actually cause a lot more harm um sometimes than actually yeah. good because you know we want to see um the tangible things and we want the things that we can market and you know put names on etc. But you know it's um uh I think we we've we've kind of just taken a step back and evaluated um what how can we make the most amount of impact, you know, what's actually going to um, make the biggest difference here. Um, you know, our goal really is to end um, or see the end of extreme poverty um, and, and play a part in that. So we don't want to just do token stuff, you know. We really want to see how we can make a difference. Yeah, and the, the stats are scary. Like once you look at this stuff, you can't unsee, like donor dysfunction accounts for like 46% of the issues that charities face in developing countries. So, for example, I mean, we would all probably assume the biggest issue for a partner might be corruption with government. But there was a great study that came out um, by a group that are really well versed in this space. And actually, corruption accounted for 4% of, of issues that they faced. 46% was donor changing amount of funds, timing of funds, pulling out, requesting a specific, you know, community or solution or all of these things that when you're a recipient of funding, you're like, yes, sure, of course we can. Yeah, we'll put the logo. And 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 what what's happened to the whole sector is it's almost become donor dread, donor led <laughs> instead donor dread, but donor led instead of like, hey, like you guys met the that family living in Cambodia, they're on the front line. Um, let's back them. Let's take some of the restrictions off and let them get their job done. Don't tie mm. them up in, you know, reporting. There are some scary numbers on, you know, how many hours, you know, field workers will actually spend on reporting. And we all love the idea of transparency and accountability, but the pendulum has definitely swung too far. So I think we've noticed that as well. So we're looking for partners that are, you know, focusing on solving really complex problems, but we want to back them in a way that that actually backs them that isn't 46 percent of the the problem mm. we should hopefully be zero percent of the problem yeah so how i mean it's a huge uh problem that you're you know you want to be part of solving to end extreme poverty um is there have you got any sort of estimates on what it would cost to do that and, or how long it would take or you know all that sort of stuff 
Yeah. So the global goal is uh, zero people living in extreme poverty. So that everyone jumping kind of above that measure by 2030. So that's 10 years. And that is not just thank you solving it. That's like everyone going all in. Now, the challenge that the world is facing is that pre-COVID, we were already behind. So there's a funding gap of about, well, estimates between $1 trillion and $2.5 trillion a year over 10 years. So there's a big funding gap. Um, but then there is also a uh, an issue with COVID. COVID set the world back dramatically, you know, really it's really tough. I mean, the economic machine has stopped globally. And whilst our countries can bail citizens out, many developing countries can't. So there are stats right now that 30 countries are on the brink of famine. Um, you know, there's estimates of up to 500 million people going back into extreme poverty. So, like, I'm trying to share the, the good news, but the good news is sort of overshadowed by the world is in a really tough spot. And a lot of this isn't in our news cycles right now. I mean, we're all, you know, we're starting out this this podcast talking about childcare, you know, stopping because that that is our reality. But we also know, you know, one of the studies that came out of BRAC, one of the biggest NGOs in the world, you know, in Bangladesh, incomes had dropped on average 75% and four out of 10 respondents had three days food left. Like, so, so, you know, it's heavy. What is the solution? I mean, we all have to work together. So governments, industry, I think the, the role thank you plays is at a consumer level. And guys, it has taken a very, very long time to get the model working. We feel like in 2020, thank you got the model working after years of refinements. This next round of funding that goes out is so significant. And when you take into account it's from two of the smallest countries on the planet, it really does show the power that consumer has to contribute to the funding gap. Um, but we, we just think this is a model and, and, and you know, every citizen, every company, uh, every government could and should play a role in ending, you know, this, this crazy injustice. Mm, yeah. So, okay. Let, let me just get my head around it. So, you, um, the the profits that you make go into the funds, the funds that you've been, you, you then um, give to these charities. And so far, you've raised, uh, you know, let's say seven million dollars. Um, and if it was a, a regular company, what would happen with that seven million dollars? So that would go to the shareholders, um, you know, and, you know, the, the owners of the company. Um, we have, so our business is owned 100% by our charitable trust. So the charitable trust essentially is the charity. That's what's received the money and then given all of that money to the partners. In a traditional business, that would, that would go to the shareholders. Um, so all the investors, founders, et cetera. Um, yeah. Right. Wow. So, okay. So you said before that there's like $63 trillion spent on, what was it, consumer products? Yeah. So is that like, is that all the products that you see in the supermarkets or is it, that's not including food? No, no, that is literally everything. So that's a consumer spending stat, you know. I mean, take something like uh, bottled water, which is a product that should not exist. And if anyone knows our product, our, our history, our genesis 12 years ago was there. We didn't bring it to New Zealand for all the reasons, um, but you know, that industry right now is 140 billion. So if you, if you pick 
any particular industry. It's quite big. You you pull it together, and and the consumer spending stat includes everything. The hat you know you've got on right now, the the earphones. Someone's measured it, but like it's everything. And I think you know we're currently you know when, you know we're building a launch. Our next sort of step is thank you. It, it's it's really for us going. Look, for 12 years, we've done it this way, but we're actually making a couple of tweaks to the model, which we'll announce at that, that next launch point that really does open up a question like this. This could exponentially grow, not just to more markets, but more categories. And, you know, we've, we've kind of worked on some ideas that could unlock a lot more money from a lot more places because $63 trillion is a lot of dollars to be sitting out there. Um, and, and how could we make a, a percentage of that um, go further. Yeah, I mean that's what I just find amazing. I think it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible business model that you've you've created that is um, essentially giving the power to the consumer to choose to, you know, be part of something to help end poverty. Um, and you know, like it just it just makes me think that you know, imagine if all of the products in the supermarket had the same had the same goal. Um, you imagine that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, one day maybe. Yeah, what, day what are maybe. your like when you're doing your blue sky days, <laughs> Daniel, and you're and you're you're thinking about these blue sky ideas? Is that is that something that you you want to work towards? Yeah, like I think our twelve year history basically is like trial and error. We've tried stuff, and some things have worked, some things haven't. Our biggest conclusion after over a decade of like putting it like blood, sweat and tears in is I think for Justin and I, we both feel this is not anywhere, not to discredit the work and the achievements, but this is not what it was. This was designed to be so much bigger. That, that number of 7 million is designed to be much bigger than that. And so we've really gone, are there a few ways to tweak the model? And we've, we've found them um, and, and open this up a little broader um, you know, without kind of explaining the whole partnership model because we're packaging it up in a launch. Hopefully you guys will help share it. I don't know. But like that. You that, bet. 100%. You don't know what you've committed to, but thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we back you guys. Come on. Um, but like we we think it'll grow that exponentially. And, you know, in 12 months from today, that number will be significantly bigger. Uh, I mean, take sanitizer right now in the space of probably two or three months Globally, we're talking hundreds of probably billions of dollars of sanitizers sold in like an eight to 12 week period. Now, we look forward to announcing how much thank you got of that pie. Unfortunately, it doesn't involve the word billion. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's, a, it's a in, in, very interesting kind of case study of like when consumers just go, right, I want something. The, the the money and it, it has been a gold rush a lot of people have got very rich very quickly and, and it's a that's a weird sentence when also everyone's like you know well we're struggling with jobs and we've just touched on extreme poverty but this is the thing about consumer spending it happens in every economy even the, the yeah. down economies there's always some products that will work so someone wins always yeah. yeah. So we, we want to thank you to be there in that win, no matter what the economic cycle, so that when you do make a consumer choice, um, it, yeah, it makes a really, really big impact. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And um, 
Can you tell us a bit about, so we've been uh, lucky enough to hear you speak a couple of times, which you're brilliant at, by the way. Um, but you told us the story of how you got thank you into, I think it was Woolworths. Yeah. Um, can you tell us that story? Because I love it so much. I think it's great. It is a good story. I, um, I, yeah, I mean, we, we had the problem being the, you know, we couldn't get into the supermarket. So it was Coles and Woolworths. So if you haven't spent much time in Australia, they have a 70% market share. And we had this little idea to get the products in, but they said no. And they actually said no to us for five years. Um, Why would they say no? Well, that's a really good question. Um, (laughs) You know, the short answer is they didn't have uh, any confidence that we could win ultimately on the shelf. We're going Mm -hmm. up against the big brands. So they're like, "You, you don't have the marketing spend. And brands will invest like $3 million in a launch. We had nothing. Like we had Facebook, basically. Like, oh, we're going to post on our Facebook, and like it doesn't <laughs> work like that. And and even though as a consumer, we will see someone said it's like forty thousand products on the shelf. So, like, even though we'd sit in a meeting with them and say, "Guys, you've got room," they're like, "No, we don't have any shelf space. It is hard fought for, you know." And yes, you have a cool idea, but you can't guarantee people are going to buy it. And we're like, "Well, if you put it on the shelf." And we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's not a risk they take in that end of town. And so we launched a campaign called the Coles and Woolworths campaign. Uh, and it was a video and it said, hey, everybody, two weeks from today, we're presenting, thank you, uh, our, our beverage, food, and body care range to Coles and Woolworths. And whilst they've said no to us for five years, we need you to come to this meeting. Tell them that if, you know, they stocked it, that you'd buy it. So that was the call to action. We asked people to upload a post onto their Facebook uh, wall and it went, you know, viral for whatever 2013, you know, Australia viral was. (laughs) So like, you know, 20 people saw it, but everyone started (laughs) kind of singing and dancing and rapping and recording themselves and then uploading that activity to their Facebook pages. Media covered that. Uh, Our favorite moment was when we flew two helicopters. Um, over their head offices. So two pilots actually volunteered their time and we carried these like huge 10,000 square foot signs, dear Coles, dear Woolies, thanks for changing the world uh, in brackets if you say yes. And <laughs> it was crazy. And actually we're in a brainstorm, Jazz. I remember that. We were brainstorming the sign out the front of the office. And I think I you were like – yeah, I, th- I think it was more like, I think someone was like, oh, let's put a sign out the front and we'll stand out there. And we're like, well, obviously we're going to get kicked off site. Like, seriously. So how can we do it so we don't get kicked off? And so someone's like, oh, let's just put a banner in the sky. Um, and then we ended up, yeah, with helicopters flying around. And- <laughs> That's like, so epic. The other, the other crazy thing is we were like really hoping. Um, so we kept having to delay the, the stunt because of the weather was bad. Obviously, you can't have people um, filming out of a helicopter um, and a helicopter in the sky, et cetera, in bad weather. Um, but then the day we finally got clear air, all the media partners we had lined up to film it kept saying, you better pray that baby's not born. Um, and they're talking about um, Prince George. So oh. on the morning of our start. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my had- goodness. George? I know. Baby George. <laughs> we actually lost all of our media because everyone was just all, like, fascinated by the, the new world baby. Um, but... <laughs> 
it was fun because we still got the, um, you know, the results that we wanted. We actually didn't realise this, but the day was actually the same day that I think it was Coles had a board meeting on while the sign flew right past their window. So things couldn't be in plan. Um, The stars were aligned. Yeah, Yeah. and we had them take it five hours after that meeting and then three hours after Woolworths. And then a month later, product was on shelf and thank you supporters were crazy. Everyone bought way too much product, my mum being one of them. Uh, (laughs) And it sold really well. And so that was kind of the beginning of a really cool story where we go to the number one hand wash on shelf, still holding that to this day. Um, 62 products, I think we heard this week. Like, it's growing. People are getting on board. And, um, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love that story. We Kiwis love a good avo. We also love supporting New Zealand businesses. Fresh, locally sourced produce not only tastes good, but does good for the planet too. The team at the Avo Tree have perfected the supply of the humble avocado, delivering the best quality fruit from their Bay of Plenty orchards to your doors without middlemen or cold storage. Just perfect every time, tasty as avocados. The Avo Tree have been in the business of supplying delicious, reliable avocados along with the best advice in the biz for over five years. They work alongside friends, neighbours and local growers to supply kiwis with the freshest avocados at side-of-the-road prices. Avos are super rich in healthy fats and essential nutrients. Perfect for your smoothies and your salads, and we're loving them for baby food. There's plenty to read on Avo Nutrition, ripening tips and yummy recipes over on the Avo Tree website. Discover a whole new world of fresh at www.theavotree.co.nz where you can explore a range of box and fruit sizes and if you're ever obsessed like we are, pick up an avocado subscription and keep your fruit bowls stocked. Plus, the awesome folk at the Avo Tree have generously offered well and good listeners 15% off their first box. All you need to do is use the promo code wellandgood at checkout. That's all lowercase, one word, well and good. Yes! Yes! Hey, could I segue for a second and share with you guys an announcement that we have not shared with anybody yet publicly? Um, yes. Um, because um, we've, we, we, I feel like... Oh, my God, you're pregnant. I feel like <laughs> conversation... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the conversation we've shared with you some stuff already um, that we haven't shared yet. But, yes, you're right. Look, there's a, there's a bump. There's a bump. <laughs> no. Uh, I so have... <laughs> Oh, that is so congrats, cool, guys. guys. Oh, congratulations. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, like, I thought that was like, oh, a bit rude. You know, that <laughs> was great. Imagine if I was like, um, are you saying yeah. what? Like, oh, it's the extra bread you drink. <laughs> well, hey, look, I can't, I can only see, you know, a little bit under underneath your head, so I can't see your tummy right now. Yeah, yeah. So. it's more like if somebody says, I've got some news, then that's the first thing you think of that. Yeah. Oh, congratulations, guys. That is so cool. We're so yeah. excited. It does also oh. probably explain why Jazz had to mute and jump off for a minute and back back and forward. So she's, I think she's doing an amazing job during meetings and COVID. Oh, man. And oh, yeah. thank you and Jed. Like I'm like, yeah. So much respect for women right now. Um, I know, oh. you know, uh, we have a role to play, but it's still quite small, you know. Oh, yeah. absolutely. When you see... Growing a human is a big job. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Just it's so much, I gained so much uh, 
perspective on what it's like to be a woman going through, um, yeah, having a baby. It's yeah. incredible. God, it's and a roller coaster. The strength and yeah. Um, that's so cool. So, do you, do you know if you're having a boy or a girl, or are you keeping it a secret? No, we're um, 16 weeks. I think we find out in about a month. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Very cool. Oh, I mean, you're sharing it with it well and good. I mean, oh. I'm very honoured. <laughs> on Instagram yet? But. We haven't. No, we have not posted that. My parents know, so that's good. I feel so honoured. Oh, that's so cool. And um, have you been feeling sick or have you been okay? Yeah, round round two has been a lot harder, I think, for us than the first one. When I say us, I mean me. Although definitely (laughs) doing all the cooking, which has been lovely. I've been having this really weird thing where I literally can't even step into the kitchen without feeling nauseous. Like anything, it's just. Can I check? Is that an official thing? Like, has any is that official or okay? Cool, just definitely a thing. Yeah. So, like, I only had it with meat, but I know quite a lot of people that that had it with all sorts of different things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But hey, it's a it's a good excuse to not have to cook anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. It's hard because from the from the uh, you know male perspective, it's hard to know. If what you're, um, you know, you could be putting it on. <gasps> it, <it's, laughs> uh, Let's get out. Let's bail. Okay. <laughs> no, well, you know, like if there's some, you know, something like, ah, uh, I can't. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you just keep digging. Keep digging. Anyway, hey, so let's change the subject. <laughs> I feel like I can't get back onto anything else now. I'm like all excited. That's so cool. All I'm, I'm just imagining you in the middle of the night eating corn chips and waking oh, yeah. me up. Yeah. yeah. Well, because that like this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the midnight hungers yeah. struck really bad. And the only thing I wanted to eat was corn chips. And they're obviously like the loudest thing. So I was there trying to sleep and I'm like, <laughs> crunkling the bag and eating these corn chips. I like, it would remind me of the Cookie Monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. I probably looked quite similar as well, too. Actually, hey, (laughs) hey. Um, keeping things back on uh, on on you, Justine. So, um, you you had some health um issues a while back, right? You suffered a bit of burnout. I think that's when when I first met you guys. Yeah. I look back and I'm so embarrassed because I'm like, I don't think my brain was connected with my mouth. Like, I don't think I could actually function properly when we met. Really? um, it was it was pretty crazy, and it was actually when we first landed in New Zealand. Um, I the doctors I had seen, and I saw a couple to get second and third opinions, um, but they'd all said seeing my results that I needed to take three months off and just rest. I was actually leading the New Zealand campaign, and it was due to to land in three months' time. So I was like, oh, I'll do it after that. I'll do it after that. But my body actually just started crashing, like to the point where. Um, I was dizzy, nauseous. Um, I was forgetting things. Um, I mean, right now I've got a little bit of baby brain going on, but this was like probably the next level on that where I'd forget a conversation I'd had earlier that morning. Like it was just like um, someone would say something to me, I'm like, I cannot even remember talking to you this morning. Um, And that was scary, um, that part. And it got to a point where, and I was also having like reoccurring infections, which would just knock me out like big time. And it was 
it, it was like my body just stopped completely. Um, when I did make the call and decision to stop, um, and one of my friends had to coach me in that by just being like, you know, it's a brave thing to stop. And I'm like, how is it brave to stop everything? And she was just sort of saying, well, because it's out of your comfort zone. You're always telling people to get out of your comfort zone. Um, this is out of your comfort zone is actually resting. And so I had to learn how to breathe, how to rest, how to, you know, learn a new season of pace, I guess. We, I'm calling it a pace of grace. Like I had to learn that. And, um, but when I landed in New Zealand, I was literally bedridden then. Like I crashed so hard. We had the, wow. we were house sitting for um, a couple and the beach was at the end of the street. I couldn't even get to the end of the driveway because um, I was like, I thought I was going to pass out just getting to the end of the driveway. So I was like, okay, cool. Those restorative walks along the beach people talk about, I can't do that right now. Um, it was literally just in bed um, with someone helping us look after. He was two and a half at the time, Jed. Um, oh, that would have been so tough. So it was, it was hard but I look back at it now and I'm actually grateful for it because there was a there was an undoing process um I told Dan at one time I'm like Dan I feel like a moosh you know like I feel like I'm just you know and reminded me of this analogy someone gave once about this caterpillar when it goes into a cocoon it actually turns into mush it actually turns into goo like it it goes into complete liquid before it then reforms again. Um, so I had that as like my mental picture of like, oh, that's okay, the perfect analogy. Okay, I'm in my cocoon, and <laughs> I might not be able to talk properly or function well, um, but hey, we'll get there one day. And um, you know, and then it was literally felt like I went through the stages. You know, the stage of like you know coming out of the cocoon, but then having to sit there for a while before I could actually fly. You know, like it was, it was such a slow journey. It ended up taking about nine months before I felt like I was really myself again. Um, and then even after that, we then went through one of our most stressful years. And um, I knew that I was well and truly on the other side of it because I was able to handle stress a lot better, um, like I kind of nearly how I did beforehand and um, and had that resilience back again and everything. So, um, yeah. What are, what are some of the, um, you said that you're, you're far better at handling stress coming out of it. What are some of the, the tactics or tools that you've implemented to help you manage it? Yeah, I mean, the, the diaphragmic breathing, you know, is one of them. Um, uh, being mindful as well, like, you know, having that, you know, that space for, um, you know, the things that fill your tank, so to speak, you know, like the, um, the you know, whether it's meditation or, uh, you know, restorative weeks, walks along the beach, which we can't do right now because we're in lockdown, but that's fine. Um, oh, so, so you can't even go to the- Go outside or can you? Oh, yeah, we can go outside. There's just no beach five kilometres from where I'm Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there were some of some of the things um, I did um, take on Pilates that really helped. So we, I did one-on-one. I actually did it in New Zealand. Um, Kate Cork- oh. um, Kate. <gasps> That's where my friend works. Oh, there you go. Kate, who runs it, she, she would do one-on-one sessions with me um, to help rehabilitate um, coming back in as well. And, um, and it was it was so great because I knew I was like, you know, she was she was looking at how the body moves and, you know, the parts that I was cheating and things like that and really helped, um, you know, rebuild there as well. Um, what else? Um, it's been, it's been, I actually did write a little list of different things here. 
Uh, oh, do you know one of the things is I had to cut out all movies that raised the adrenaline. This is during my roof. Really? Because I was trying my adrenaline levels were through the roof, so I had to try and keep them, get them down. And so, like, any movie that could, like, or, or show that would raise the adrenaline levels, I had to cut. So I'm, like, watching Hallmark, Soppy, then <laughs> would come home oh. crying. <laughs> I kind of love fun. that, though. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a good Hallmark show. Okay, so, like, all thrillers are out, no... Oh, that's so interesting. I would never have yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Now, now that I've rebuilt and I can, I can handle a good thriller now. But um, during that season, I had to. It was that cocoon. I had to really, um, yeah, watch myself carefully. Yeah. I am feeling that a little bit this time, but I don't know how much of it is due to COVID. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so Crikey. That too. So it's just, um, you know, um, just keeping making sure we keep our minds strong in this season as well. Um, you know, we've. You know, if you read at all or heard any of our story of the first 10 years, it was such a rough first 10 years of ups and downs. And so, you know, we've learned a little bit about resilience over this time. Um, so right now, you know, we're, we're trying to really um, impart that into our team as well as we go through so much uncertainty and so much change. Um, you know, it's about how we lean into this season um, and, and keep our minds strong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned part of that, um, your story of, you know, how you guys started and, and all that. Um, it reminds me of chapter one, that um, the book you wrote, Daniel, that, that I think that was actually my first introduction to thank you was I read, um, read your book. Well, I think I listened, listened to the audio book, actually, um, which kind of, you know, isn't nearly as cool because you wrote a sideways book. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys have listened to me for eight hours. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> can, can you give, um, tell us a bit about uh, chapter one? Yeah. So, look, I mean, the idea was people would say to us, man, you, you, your story that you guys have is crazy. Like your first few years and like you've got to write it down. And in our minds, like you write the book one day, right? So you write it one day when you've kind of quote unquote made it, which thank you certainly hadn't. But we did have a problem after the Coles and Worst campaign, which was we want to take this idea further. We don't have the money to do it and yes we have this cool like 100 percent for the cause model but means we have no investors no shareholders people that can just go cool here's your next injection of money go to new zealand or go to this next category so we didn't have that and we rather than just sort of following that the age-old kind of status quo sell out the company or like like all of that's off the table so we thought well let's flip this let's open it up to the consumer to people to the supporters, a thank you to fund the future. And so we ran kind of a crowdfunding campaign. It was called Chapter One. We said, buy the book. It's the first chapter of the thank you story. And 100% of the profit from Chapter One will fund Chapter Two, the future of the organization. We announced in the launch video, we're going into the baby category, then to New Zealand to kind of test thank you before it goes to kind of countries beyond that. And, and so in one sense, it was a crowdfunding thing in another sense though we love the thought that imagine a book or a story that's written chapter by chapter and no doubt when we go to write chapter two we'll be like oh i can't believe we said this in chapter one or you know how awkward but that's the beauty of it it's not the kind of perfect painted 40 year later view it's like along the way so we have it's this real. kind of idea yeah let's let's write it together let's keep it real what's and all um and people love the concept like the book raised 
in the first 28 days, our target was to raise $1.2 million, which for context is a lot of money given a best-selling book would be lucky to make about $5,000, so, no, sorry, $50,000 in Australia, kind of profit for the author. So, we, so the target was ambitious, but you know, people that follow Thank You are ambitious too. So we raised $1.44 million in 28 days. Um, today, I think it's over $2.5 million. Um, we sold the book at a pay-what-you-want price. So some people have paid, uh, well, there's 10 cents and 5 cents and, you know, ridiculous. Oh. Not, yeah. Who yeah. are they? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> really love. Well, we have ad- we actually have addresses. Uh, um, I can send them to you, probably not legally. Uh, but the, the, mo- the most paid was $50,000 uh, by one lady and – I mean, that was a moment. And then we had CEOs buy like thousands of copies for their teams, but then like school kids. Um, one of our favorites is Landon. You know, he's, he's, he was 12 and he bought four copies with his pocket money. And then I think the last update from his mum, he was 18 copies and he gifted them to people he thinks should go on to change the world. Too. Oh, what a legend. Yeah. So I feel like he's a future part of the thank you team. He totally is. It's a cool read. It's and a it's, brilliant book. Yeah, and it's very inspirational. I found it very inspirational um, and motivational for me. Um, do you do you plan on doing anything else similar? Because like I guess that was such a good um, vehicle for raising money and also inspiring people and um, providing a, a way for people to really get involved and get behind you guys. Have you got anything else that you're thinking about along the same vein? Like chapter two? I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's I, mean, a I feel good like idea. it's a natural progression. But... <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can credit me with the with thinking of that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Th- that will go to you. Uh, um, <laughs> like I think, so depending on where people listen on this, but we're about to enter very, very much our next chapter in Thank You's story. You know, um, we, you know, we had a kind of this future launch planned for, you know, 2021. And then when COVID hit, we just straight away felt like we don't have time. The world doesn't have time for this thing to one day launch. And we actually brought everything forward. Um, you know, we're currently, as we record this, six weeks out from our launch and we've got a baby on the way, Jed running around. Like it, life is, it's all happening. But I think we, we're going with this whole idea of MVP. Like, just keep it simple, get the idea out, give it to people. At the end of the day, like, the power of people is one thing we've learned in 12 years. You know, when we each combine the little we all have in our own hand, and and we often think it's so little, but when we combine that, I mean, you can achieve the most incredible things. And so we really hope this next launch at Thank You is a stake in the ground that really ups the ante, like and it ups both the funding, the consumer buying and awareness. But I like I think our dream is that other organizations, it helps them if they're startups or getting into the social space, it hopefully helps them on their journey too. Like I think we're really trying to think about how do we like yes, how does thank you grow, but how do we kind of help lift the whole sector and community so that's coming and i think if people want to get involved you know follow us there's always different calls to action um but but never underestimate the little you have in your own hand you know the little bit of money maybe that landon has or 
the podcast, you know, which is, this is huge because it's obviously big US. This is hundreds of <laughs> yeah, millions of yeah. listeners this right is, now. This yeah, is serious, almost too many listeners from serious the business. Yeah, yeah, you have to cap it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we have had, we have had to cap it. Yeah, well, it keeps but crashing the the platform, the server. Yeah, yeah, we've had to reroute the proxy <laughs> settings. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, you two, you guys are actually a really interesting example of like two people who you know you do have like actually a lot of influence, um, you know, and that I'm sure. I mean, what's it been like for you guys? Because you, you've done incredible work locally and globally, you know, helping people and organizations. Um, I don't know, like, what's that journey been like for you? Flip it back. I mean, um, oh, like, I feel like we haven't done anywhere near as much as you guys. <laughs> but but I think ha- having a position where you have a platform where there's so many people watching what you do, that it's really important for us to just be the best that we can possibly be and – and I feel like that is the best form of influence that you can give is is just live life in a way that you are giving to others and you're kind to people and you're looking after your community and those people around you. Because I think at the end of the day, that's the most in, in inspiring thing that people can can do if they walk the walk rather than just talking the talk. And I guess that's the thing about social media is there's so much talking the talk um, We're taking photos of the photos. Yeah, yeah. Don't that, think that made sense, but yeah, you know what I mean. that that I think it's assumed that nobody walks the walk. So, like a lot of the time, we try to walk the walk more than we talk the talk. If that makes sense, that's really important to us. For both of you guys, are there any things that you wish, like the you today, could tell the you of? 12 years ago, just as you were starting out or just before you'd started out with thank you, like what would you tell tell you? And, and, you know, knowing what you know now. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. I'm glad you didn't ask 2015 because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole thing, have you seen that meme that's gone around? Like can we just all agree that in 2015 none of us got the question right, where will you be in five years' time? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not one person. No way. Not no. one person. <laughs> it certainly has taken a left turn. I think for me, like, I mean, I was very, and I I still am quite ambitious and goes at 100 miles an hour, full steam ahead. Um, I probably would tell my body to shut up and, you know, just get on with it because we've got things to do. We've got a world to change, you know, like, but I think coming to the realisation that, you know, in order for me to do the things that are on my heart, I actually have to be well and healthy to do that, you know. And so, um, yeah, just to to say, to remind myself that I'm actually one of my greatest assets because I think a lot of times we'll put ourselves last, um, especially as mums, right, like we'll always put ourselves last um, because of all the other things that are going on and the other priorities that are happening. Um, but reminding myself that actually helping myself will help others um, and to make sure that I'm investing that time. Like I tell myself to set a pace of grace, you know, like what what is the pace that's going to be sustainable for me for the next 10 years? Years. I mean, I've I've just you know started to to come up with that now. What what's my next ten year pace going to be? But if I had thought about it twelve years ago, um, I, it'd be interesting to see how much more productive I'd be because I thought that being productive was just working around the clock, going really hard, trying to do all the meetings, trying to be everywhere at once, trying to meet all the expectations. Um, but actually, probably not. 
because then I ended up having to take a year off. And then when I was doing things, I was doing them half-baked because I was like dying on the inside from health-wise, you know, like, so it was, yeah. So that's, that's probably some advice I'd give myself for 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, I guess as they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. I love that saying so much. It's so true. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think How about you, me, Daniel? For me, you know, I have done some very deep dive introspective work over the last little while. Um, I uh, met, met this guy, uh, Stu, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not meant to share his name, but he's a, he's a psychologist, counsellor, absolute legend. Like one of the greatest steps I ever took. I mean, the pressure that came from thank you was really interesting. And some of it was pressure people put on thank you or put on me. But other was actually as I deep dived on like Daniel Flynn from like the schoolyard right through. Turns out my level of trying to make people happy, um, all kind of coming from this deep fear of rejection. Like I don't want to be rejected. I don't. And, and the amount of decisions I made out of that. Um, I mean, if I could go back 12 years ago, I'd be like, hey, you are not going to meet everyone's expectations and that's okay. You know, and, and like if that, that's a big place to be. You have to be really comfortable with letting people down, not the right people, you know, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, as these worlds that we're in get bigger and bigger, so too do the expectations. And I think learning to just be okay with, you know, saying no, that would be absolutely critical. And I think, you know, I wish I did a deep dive earlier, but it is what it is. My encouragement to every person, uh, particularly guys, I feel like guys are maybe a little worse at it, you know, generally speaking here, you know, because, you know, when they catch up, they're like, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But, you know, I feel like, you know, generally speaking, women will go a bit deeper than that. But I kind of wish I'd gone deeper um, and, you know, actually pulled up some of this stuff because once I saw it, I'm like, cool, I don't have to live like that anymore um and so you know i feel free a freedom that certainly 12 years ago wasn't a freedom it was a trap i was running around just trying to make everybody happy and you can do that for a certain period of time but after a while you burn out and i had that too i kind of had that journey um mm. so yeah i love that so much mm. that i think every single person could benefit from that kind of inner child work yeah, taking the time to really figure themselves out and figure out the inner workings of their mind and and why they are the way they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, um, on that note, before we uh, wrap up our lovely chat, um, how do people get in touch with you, follow your stuff? Like what are your Facebook, Instagram, websites? It's good. Um, I just, I'm off Instagram right now, but I'll get back on it at some point. But um, thank you.co is our website, new website coming soon. But um, that's a place you can learn more, follow what we do at thank you Oz at thank you NZ um, is our New Zealand and Australian Instagram handles and hashtags, hashtags or whatever mm-hmm. the handles. Yeah, yeah, you got it. They may be changing. They may be changing. Oh, good. Oh, okay. You'll well, find we'll us on the internet. the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Find us on the internet. Yeah, good. good. Yeah, I feel like people can figure it out, you know. Hey, we're a savvy well, bunch in the States where yeah. all our listeners are. Just go down to your supermarket, buy a bottle, and on the back of the bottle there'll be some sort of <laughs> handle. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, Hey, so good to see you guys and so excited for your baby news. Yeah. That's just made my day. So stoked for you guys. 
Thanks, guys. Yeah, really cool to hang out. Hey, thanks so much for the chat. I look forward to catching up maybe after you've done all the announcements and we can actually talk about some some chapter two stuff. Yeah. Hey, and good luck for for the rest of lockdown. Hang in there. Yeah, you've got it, guys. Yeah. We can do this. Thanks. Good to chat, guys. Good to hang out. Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw underscore collective.co. But wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message. Leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.